Matthew 26, 31. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble. King James said, You'll be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of the fall and restoration of Simon Peter. But my title is Living Between Two Fires. And you may be seated. There are a lot of uh, well-intentioned Christians. Some people that I met in my lifetime were really on fire for God. Has anybody ever met someone who was on fire for God? That's it, three people. Wow. I'm sorry. (laughs) The Bible uses the word zeal. Zeal is, you know, the boiling of liquids or the glowing of metal. Zeal means to be on fire for God. It's a good thing to be zealously affected, the Bible said, and When Jesus cleansed the temple, the disciples said that they remembered the scripture that said, The zeal of mine house has eaten me up. Simon Peter was one of those guys who was usually fired up. He was a passionate, ardent disciple. He was one of those guys who was really quick to speak and also slow to hear. He was a person who was usually the first one to answer a question or to ask a question rather or in some cases to blurt out an answer. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. I know you remember when Jesus came walking on the water to the disciples in the middle of a storm. It was the Apostle Peter only who said, Lord, if that's you, invite me to come to you. And he went walking on the water to Jesus. No one else dared get out of the boat. But Simon Peter was on fire for God like that. Peter had a divine revelation of the identity of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And the disciples said, well, some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah, one of the prophets. Well, who do you say that I am? And a divine revelation came to the apostle Peter and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And so he got a star. You know, he was the best pupil in the classroom. And that was the Apostle Peter. Jesus said, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom, that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Wow, Peter is an amazing person. And then Jesus started to talk about his death. Verse 21, the same passage, Matthew 16. I'm going to suffer many things, die. And while Jesus, the master, is talking, the apostle Peter took him aside and rebuked him. 
the pupil rebuking the teacher and said, far be it from you, Lord, this will never happen to you. And he turned to Peter, Jesus did, and he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now five verses before, he's saying, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Now it's, get thee behind me, Satan. For you don't savor the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. So Simon Peter was changeable like that. His name Simon means a hearer, or quick to hear. It kind of it lets us know that his personality was impulsive like that. Now all of us have met people who could get really, really high. I don't mean on drugs. I'm talking about excited. But then they could go really, really low. That was Simon Peter. Now, near the time of his crucifixion, the week of his Passover, and his passion as we call it, things were heating up toward the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. On Wednesday night, I taught about this crescendo of conflict that was taking place between the Jewish leaders and Jesus as they were trying to find a way to put Him to death. Jesus had just spent two chapters in our Bible, Matthew 24, 25, teaching what is called the Olivet Discourse, answering two questions. What's going to happen to the temple and when will be the end of the world? It is an amazing passage of Scripture. And after this, He had begun to say this. He said, you know, in two days, it's Passover. The Son of Man is going to be handed over to be crucified. And at that same time, the Jewish leaders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, and they were plotting the death of Jesus Christ. How do we capture, capture him? Who can we get to turn on him? And they agreed that they needed to be careful so there wouldn't be a riot. The Bible tells us from the book of Luke that in this season of time that Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, he went to the Jewish leaders and he covenanted with them to betray the Lord for 30 pieces of silver and they were delighted at this deal. What a bargain. The Son of God traded away for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a common slave. On the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, Jesus met with His disciples in a large furnished upper room and there He ate the Passover meal with them. He washed their feet, showing them a symbol of serving. He predicted the betrayal of one of them, but only John the Beloved knew. And in this night, he instituted what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. The Eucharist, some would call it. We will celebrate this in our service next Sunday as we're marching toward Easter. And then, in the middle of this context, Jesus said to his disciples, what I read to you earlier. Tonight, all of you will fall away from me. The shepherd is going to be smitten. The sheep are going to be scattered. But after I've raised from the dead, I will meet with you in Galilee. Luke alone tells us that in this season of time that Jesus said to Peter himself, Simon, Simon, Satan has desire to have you that he may sift you like wheat to leave nothing of you. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have been converted, when you have returned to me, then strengthen the brethren. Now impetuous Simon Peter immediately said, Lord, everybody else may desert you, but not me. 
You can count on me. I'll be with you to the very end. He said, Lord, I'll go with you to prison. I'll go with you to death. And Jesus said to him, No, Simon Peter, I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny me three times. But Peter, who always wanted to have the last word, said to him, No, no, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples chimed in and they said, Same for us, count us in. Nothing would ever happen to us. The Bible said that at the end of this evening in the upper room, they sang a hymn together. And then Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives to, he went out to the Garden of Gethsemane where he would pray. Gethsemane is an olive grove. It is still there today. There are trees that are older than the time of Christ. The word Gethsemane means olive press. It is a place where the olives were crushed, releasing the oil that we say symbolizes the anointing. And it is there that Jesus prays that this cup would pass from Him. He is sorrowful. He understands what the cross means and becoming death. If it be possible, let this pass from me. He invites the disciples, ask Him, would you not watch for me with one, for one hour? And they slept while He prayed. Three times He asked them and they slept on. And then in the distance they could see coming toward them lights of a mob. In the front they would make out the figure of Judas Iscariot. They had come with the authority of the chief priests and they were bearing torches and they were armed with clubs and swords and they are marching to where Jesus is with the 11 disciples. Judas is now gone off into the night where he would eventually commit suicide. Judas walked up to Jesus. That eastern greeting among men kissed him on the cheek and with that identified him as Jesus, the Messiah, And the soldiers began to come and and to seize Jesus. They said, are you he? And Jesus said, I am. And when he said, I am, they fell backwards on the ground. What an amazing moment. And they got back up, gathered themselves. The power of God, you know, when he said, I am, he was saying, I am God. They came to to take him away. Simon Peter, he had a sword on his side. Jesus had told them, we need a sword And they said, well, we've got two. They said, Jesus said, that's enough. Evidently, Simon was the one, Simon Peter, who had one of the two swords that night in the garden of Gethsemane. He sees them coming. He grabs his sword. He is swinging for someone's head, I believe. But he's a fisherman. He's better with the fillet knife than he is a sword. Malchus, the servant of the high priest, ducks or dodges. I'm not sure what happened. And Peter cut off his right ear. It's bleeding, it's on the ground. Jesus picks it up, heals it, Luke the physician tells us. He turns to Peter and he says, put away your sword. This is not time to fight. Cannot even imagine what is going through. Simon Peter's mind, Jesus is bound. He is taken off to the house, uh, taken away to the house of Annas, who is the father-in-law of the high priest. He's a very powerful man. And before him, Jesus will be interrogated. There's another disciple that has some inside connection. Peter is following from afar off at a great distance from Jesus, but he's very curious. He wants to watch what is happening. 
John, maybe this other disciple, allows Peter to come in. They're in an outer courtyard. There are servant girls and there are, there are soldiers there. They can evidently see directly in to where Jesus is being interrogated by Annas. And I can prove that and you'll see it just a little bit later. He's sitting there and the Bible said it was cold that night. The guards had made a fire of coals. So the apostle Peter sits down. John 18, 18 tells us they made a fire of coals. They stood there for it was cold and they warmed themselves. And here is Simon Peter warming himself by the fire of the adversaries of Jesus Christ. There's a glow of light from the fire. There's a servant girl. She looks at this man by the fire. He's not in a uniform. He looks a little different. And she says, you know, I think I know you. You, you're one of those that were with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. Sometime later, another person, another servant girl, noticed him standing around and said, Hey, hey, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. But Simon Peter denied it. This time with an oath, he said, I don't know the man. Twice. Luke tells us it's about an hour later. And someone else looks at Simon Peter there, warming his hands, standing around with the enemies of Jesus, and said, you must, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Galilean accent. Now, the Judean Jews around Jerusalem were considered to be a little more high class, more religious. The Galileans more prosperous. They would have been like us, the southerners, who people say that we have an accent. We know it's really them. People from Chicago and the Northeast that have the accent, not us. Don't tell us you're not one of his disciples. We can tell by your drawl, by your accent, that you're one of the disciples. This time Peter swore with a curse. He said, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't even know the man. And when the words came out of his mouth, a rooster crowed. And Luke 22, 61 says... And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Somewhere in there in the middle of his own interrogation by Annas, he turns and he he meets eyes, he locks eyes with Simon Peter. And the Bible said that then Peter remembered the words of the Lord. How he said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And the Bible said, that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. He had been standing at a fire of coals that became a fire of failure for him, a reminder that all of his religious ardor had had kind of dissipated and there was no more zeal left in him. He was the one who turned his back also on Jesus Christ right at the moment of truth. A fire of coals. He's weeping bitterly, beating himself up, and for good reason. Why? Why was I so strong in Gethsemane? 
And so weak in the courtyard. I've realized in my life that sometimes lows follow highs. And the real battle is often what we perceive as the battle. That our greatest struggle comes after we think we've been successful and an overcomer. And here he was, not in the garden with soldiers with clubs and with swords, but around a fire and a girl asking him, who are you? He is kicking himself. And I wonder if he can hear inside the praetorium in there the lash of the whip against the back of Jesus Christ. The mocking. He is in his own world though, Tearing himself up. What in the world? Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you. I prayed for you, Simon. I prayed for you. When you're converted, strengthen your brethren. I prayed for you. When you're converted, what in the world is going on in my life? What have I done? Through that night, Jesus has tried. False accusations. Illegal beatings. On Friday, he is crucified. By sundown, he is buried. And it is over in the mind of Simon Peter. He is left off Friday night with his own doubts. All day Saturday, nothing is going on. And he has to live in the inner sanctum of his failure. And to say, what in the world have I done? There are plenty of people who, like Simon Peter, have fallen prey in a fire of failure. Maybe like him... You were too confident in what you said and you trusted in your own courage and ability rather than the grace of God. Maybe like Peter, you followed from afar off. You were at a distance to Jesus Christ. You didn't want to be too closely associated with Him. So I would never do that. Well, what do you do at school? What do you do at work? When they say, are you one of them? You talk like a Christian. You look, you look like you belong to Jesus Christ. Are you an apostolic? You know, there's lots of reasons probably why Peter is like that. Then he, then he surrounds himself with the adversaries of Jesus and it's like a peer pressure situation. So he fails. Vulnerable position. Fire of failure. I thought about, you know, if Peter was confused because Jesus says, take a sword, we have two, that's enough. Well, he's probably thinking that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is being attacked, this would be the time to die with Him. Pull your sword. Swing for the head. Why why put away the sword? I was ready to die with you there. What's going on in, in the world of Jesus Christ? I prayed for you that your faith fail not. When you're converted, strengthen the brother. And he healed Malchus's ear. I watched him do that right in the garden. And he's weeping bitterly. Thursday night, Friday all day, Friday night, Saturday, early Sunday morning, nothing has changed. But we know that Jesus has been resurrected. He's alive. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and Salome, they are going to visit the tomb. When they arrive... An angel welcomes him there and says, Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen as he said. And then Mark 16, 7. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee and that he will see you there. 
Can you imagine in the moment of failure that Simon Peter is beating himself up that an angel says, I have a a memo from the main man. And he said, tell Peter that I will see him in Galilee. There is hope for him. The women run back to where the disciples are. They tell them, Jesus is alive. But the Bible said, most of them, when they heard this, they said it was like idle tales. And they didn't believe them. Except for Peter and John. Luke tells us specifically that Peter arose and ran to the tomb. John, who doesn't name himself, but tells in his story that he outran Peter to the tomb. Doesn't that sound like a couple of guys telling their own story? Peter ran to the tomb and John says, we ran to the tomb, but just in case you're wondering, I'm faster than the apostle Peter. They get to the tomb, standing there, but Peter Peter goes right in and he sees the grave clothes lying there and he realizes that something has happened, that Jesus has risen from the dead. When he is still living between two fires. Jesus appears to the disciples. Thomas is not there. You know, doubting Thomas who said, unless I see the print of the nails in his hands and thrust my hand into the side, I will not believe. I've got to see it for myself. And he did. John 20 tells us that Jesus appeared again to the disciples Thomas being present. We don't have any commentary though on anything that happened between Jesus and Peter at those two meetings of Jesus and the disciples. But John 21 tells us an amazing story. The disciples are in Galilee. There are seven of them on this occasion. And Simon Peter, who grew up as a fisherman, says to his buddies... I'm going fishing. Now, I've wondered before if, you know, the sign hanging over Simon Peter's door that said gone fishing meant gone back to fishing. I, Simon Peter, am a failure. And uh, I'm gone fishing. The other disciple said, we're going too. That was their custom to fish all night with nets, drop down the big nets and pull them up. And all night long, I'm not sure how many casts and drags they made, but they didn't catch a single fish all night long. Early in the morning, at dawn, they hear a voice from the shore about a hundred yards away. And the voice says, hey guys, are you catching anything? No. Cast your net on the right side. Sound familiar? That's how this all started. And they did. And they brought in the net and there were so many fish that they couldn't even bring it to the surface. The Bible tells us exactly 153 very large fish. They're in the net. Peter's in the boat. John looks at Peter and says, the guy on the shore, that's the Lord. Peter throws on his outer garment. He jumps into the Sea of Galilee and he is making for shore like an Olympic swimmer. 
The other guys are in the boat dragging it slowly to land. But not Simon Peter. He is going to get to Jesus just as fast as he can. Amen. He's the first guy on the shore. And when he gets there, John 21, 9. Tells about everybody coming to shore as they got there. They saw a fire of coals. But Peter got there first. I think it looked real familiar. Sort of like the one where he failed. And it's just Jesus and Peter there. While the disciples are dragging the net slowly to shore. Jesus has got bread and fish on coals. And he tells them, hey guys it's breakfast time. Bring some of your fish. Let's cook them and eat together. And they all sit down and they have breakfast. Jesus and the disciples there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, on the beach there. And after breakfast, Jesus turns to Simon Peter. And he says, Simon, do you love me more than these? Well, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus said it again, John, Simon, son of Jonas, do, do you love me? And Simon said, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then Jesus, a third time, asked Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And the writer John said that Peter was hurt. That Jesus asked him a question the third time. But three denials, three confirmations. Do you really love me? Feed my sheep. It happened at a fire of forgiveness. A place that looks so much like the place of failure for Simon Peter. Simon, you're going to play a key role in my kingdom. You will die a martyr's death for me. One day you will stretch out your hands. And a man like that can't be weak. But welcome home. Welcome back to relationship. Fire of failure. Fire of forgiveness. And Simon Peter is back in a relationship with the Lord. Now, amen. Thank God for that. Amen. Thank God for restoration. Now that's Simon Peter's story. But I believe in my heart that I am preaching to people today who are living between two fires. You've been to the fire of failure and you have let the Lord down. You made promises that you did not keep. You made commitments that you were not able for whatever reason to hold up your end of the bargain. And you have been beating yourself up and kicking yourself and feeling so much like a failure. But I've got a little memo to you that Jesus will meet you. Go tell Peter that I will meet him in Galilee. I've come here today to tell you that it's not over. That it doesn't end at a fire of failure. I've come here today to tell you that God is a forgiving God. Amen. 
God wants to restore your relationship to him. He wants us to restore the ministry that he called you to do. Amen. Don't stop short of a fire of reconciliation. Don't live in no man's land. Don't live in limbo, but run to Jesus. Swim to Jesus. Pray to Jesus. Whatever you've got to do, throw on your coat, jump in the lake, get there as quickly as you can. Amen. Don't live between two fires. The message today is a message of hope. That if you will confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. You say, well, Simon's faith failed because he denied the Lord three times. But I would say that Simon's faith did not fail. Because faith is believing that God exists. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith finds a way to get to Jesus Christ. Knowing it will be worth the trip. Faith says, no more following from afar. I'm going to jump in the lake, swim a hundred yards. Nothing's going to stop me from getting to Jesus. That's what faith is. And while you may have failed the Lord, if your faith is intact, if you believe He will take you back, if you believe that He will forgive you, then it's not over for you because He is a merciful, forgiving God. Amen. Please bow your heads. In the name of Jesus Christ, I come here today, Lord, speaking on your behalf to people, oh God, who are struggling with the disappointment that they have in themselves because they know how much you love them. They know the clear call of God in their life. But Lord, they have visited a fire of failure. Whether that failure, Lord, was walking away and backsliding, or just not keeping commitments, Lord. Preaching to people today. And now I am praying for people today that are struggling with the faith that you will take them back. I pray that this story, Lord, would resonate in our spirits today. That you would let someone know that it is not over, that you are a merciful God who came to bring reconciliation to those who have fallen short of your glory and your expectations. So this story today, I pray, that you would let someone make their way back to a place of fervor and spiritual fire and ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Would you please stand? I have a burden in my heart today, a deep concern. 
Because I've learned that many people live with a tremendous sense of regret and guilt. Maybe, maybe somebody else can be forgiven, but what, what, what about me? What have I done? I mean, Simon Peter, from night till morning, heard the words that he would fail. You wonder what happens in the minds of people. He didn't even remember till the rooster crowed. And you're saying, yeah, I've been there, done that. What was, th- what was going through my mind? What was I doing? What was I thinking? You can analyze and criticize yourself, but that will never get you back to a place of restoration. You've got, to, you've got to jump in the lake and swim to shore. You've got to make an effort to get back to Jesus Christ. You've got to do what you know to do. But you have to know that when you get there, that He sent you a special memo that says, I will meet you in Galilee. And He will restore you back. Your relationship, your calling, a fire of forgiveness. I want to invite everyone to please join me at the altar in just a moment. I'd like for you to come bring someone with you. If you're able to come, be down here. Come down here. And we're going to pray. I don't want you to stop short of making your way back to Jesus Christ. Would you come with me now? Join me here. Join our church family. Somebody needs to pray right now. Someone needs to ask God to forgive them right now. Would you lift your voice as you're coming and gathering as close as possible, finding someone to pray with? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's come close and let's pray.